And Lord, now as, as we've worshipped you and we've lifted our voices and raised our hands and we prayed, we called upon your name, we've, we've given an offering to you. Lord, use it for your glorious purpose purposes through this fellowship. But Lord, now it's time to get into your word. So may your word speak to our hearts powerfully. May there be an anointing on the message today, Lord, that you have, you have prepared just for this congregation, for this day, at this time. Let the word of God do what you want it to do. We thank you for it. I ask you, Lord, help me to preach it the way you want, but let it be heard and received and applied the way you want as well. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do through it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, take your Bible, if you would, and uh, turn with me to the book of Colossians. Uh, We started this a few weeks ago. Thank you, uh, Pastor Wayne, for your sermon a few weeks ago. Pastor Bill Unger, thank you for your message last week. I've been thinking about Psalm 139 all week. It was a great word. But uh, today we're going to continue with uh, the study of Colossians. And if you're here for the first or second time, we're going to go through this epistle verse by verse. It's going to take as long as it takes. Not all today, by the way. But I mean, over the next several weeks, we're going to go verse by... Now, we could do it all today if you want. I don't mind, but no. We'll, we'll do it, you know, until, until we finish. But um, we started out verses 1 through 8 last time. And uh, if you look at verse number 5... Uh, that was the kind of centerpiece of, the, of that sermon a few weeks ago, the hope of glory. Everything's kind of centered around the fact that the people of God have a, have a hope within us. You know what I mean? It's like I look at it this way. Somebody turned the light on, and it was Jesus. We get it now. We see it now. But that, that's called the hope of glory. And uh, so verses 9 through 14, where we're going to be today, uh, Paul continues this uh, this letter based on this theme. He says in verse number 9, for this reason also we, so for this reason, the fact that we all have this hope of glory, we we do these other things. So let me read verses 9 through 14, and then we're going to get into this. For this reason, since the day we heard of it, that is, since the day we heard that you received the hope of glory, we, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. What, is that a theme this morning or, or what? He has delivered us from the power of darkness. In, in case you've forgotten, you've been delivered from the power of darkness. Let me remind you, everybody, you know, we, sometimes we, we sit here so pious, we forget from whence, from whence we came. We were bound in darkness, all of us, varying degrees, but we were bound in darkness. But it says in verse, uh, verse um, uh, 13, he has delivered us 
from the power of darkness and conveyed us, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. But those four words right there are very important. We've been, look, we've been, verse 13, we've been delivered, we've been conveyed, we've been redeemed, and we've been forgiven. And if that doesn't bring out a little hallelujah, I don't know what does. I mean, come on. We've been delivered not by our good works, and we've been conveyed, we've been brought into a different relationship with God. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and we've been forgiven. I, I, you know, we've been forgiven for who we are, and we've been forgiven for what we've done. And you know you've done some stuff you're not, you're not proud of. Come on, I'm not the only one. I've done a lot of stuff I'm not proud of. But even that, it's not only that, it's who we are. We're sinful people anyway. So someone may be worse than the other, but so what? We're all, we all fall short. But we've been forgiven by God. That's why he says it's so important to forgive other people. But the same way you've been forgiven, the Lord says many times, and Paul says the same thing, forgive other people the way I've forgiven you. And that's hard for the, for the human soul to do. But we're commanded to do it. But I, I, I'm thinking about those four words. We've been delivered, hallelujah. We've been conveyed. We've been redeemed and we've been forgiven by God. Well, anyway, this is Paul's prayer for the church of Colossae. And uh, if you know the New Testament, there's actually four examples. This is one of four examples of Paul's prayers. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, he's praying for uh, for the church of Ephesus that they would have wisdom and revelation. In chapter 3 of Ephesians, he's praying that they would have strength in their inner man and they would be rooted and grounded in love. In Philippians chapter 1, he's praying that they, that their love would abound still more and more. And here in Colossians 1, and verse 9 is the main verse, he's praying that they would know God's will. I've entitled the message today, Prayer Matters. You know why I entitled it that? Because it's really true. Prayer matters. This is Paul's prayer for these people. And Paul has been known to pray, you know, always in prayer. But prayer matters simply because it's very true. Now, if I could turn back the clock of my life, way back in the day when I was learning the Bible, and and then as I began teaching the Bible, I think I probably would have been more uh, in tune to Paul's types of prayer. I mean, let me look at it this let's look at it this way. It's one thing to pray, Lord, help me not get a speeding ticket. But but Lord, let me know your will. You see the difference? One's here and one's there. Lord, help me to pass this exam I got this week. But yeah, okay, but Lord, let me be let me have revelation of your divine will. Sometimes I think our prayers are not, I wouldn't say frivolous because everything is important, but sometimes they're a little bit flimsy. Let me bring our brother David just, just up one more time. Our brother David, he, he's going to need prayer. Now, he, he's going to have food. He's going to have clothes. He's going to have a place to sleep. That's done. He needs prayer for revelation, for wisdom, for knowledge, to know God's will for his life. David, you're a young man. I, I thought about it. Uh, you know, you're a young man. You, you know, should the Lord tarry? 
You, you got a good life ahead of you. Only God knows what you're going to be doing with your life. Look at Pastor Wayne. He was in your shoes, what, 15 years, whatever it was. Now he's Pastor Wayne. I'm just saying, God has plans for We need to pray for David, for him to know the will of God. So verse number 9 begins this section. But if you look back, verse number 3, he says, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray always for you. Ever since we heard of your faith we, 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 and your love for the saints, we began to pray for you. In verse number 9, he says, We don't cease to pray for you. Now, some people who study these things, I didn't study, I studied someone who studied it, but they're saying that this is at least... Ten years in the making. So here, Paul has been praying for this church for at least ten years. What about this idea of instantaneous prayer? You know what I mean? Like, some people say, you just say it, pronounce it, and declare it done in Jesus' name. Personally, I don't understand that because, I don't know, it just doesn't seem right in my spirit. But this is not really Paul's style of of praying. He's been praying for ten years for these people. I think of some people that I've been praying for for a long time. I've been praying for our marriage. You know how long we've been married? 45 years. You know how long I've been praying for our marriage? 46 years. <laughs> no, for, I'm just saying some things you just never stop praying for. You, you pray. But I don't think it was Jesus' style either to, to name it and claim it and, you know, uh, uh, um, pronounce it, <laughs> declare it. Um, I know that's popular, but I don't know. Jesus said in Luke 11, Jesus gave the parable of the persistent friend. Here, here it is in a nutshell. The, this guy had a visitor come to his house at midnight. Some friend that was, but they were friends. He had no food to give him. So he goes to his neighbor's house and he starts knocking on the door saying, wake up. Wait. And this guy's saying, I'm asleep with my family and my kids. Leave me alone. But this guy keeps knocking on the door, and then finally the guy says, oh man, you're driving me crazy. I'll give you whatever you want. Just take the food and go. And in that setting, Jesus said, when you ask, it will be given to you. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be opened. Jesus said in another parable, Luke 18, the parable of the woman and the unjust judge. She kept coming before the judge saying, get me justice, get me justice. And this judge was an, was an unholy, unrighteous man. He didn't really care about anybody. She was bothering him, and he kept saying, get away from me. But because she kept pestering him, persistence, she said, oh, lady, you, you weary me. I'll give you what you want. I'll give you justice. And Jesus said, how much more will your Father in heaven, who loves you, take care of you? And in that setting, he said, Moreover, will the Son of Man really find faith on the earth when he comes back? And that, that's saying to, to us, will he find people praying when he comes back? And he is coming back. I just want to throw that in. I don't want to lose sight of the fact that there are so many markings in the world today. Last night, if I could digress just a moment... I've, I've heard about these floods in Pakistan. I didn't know about the floods in Pakistan. I, and I'm curious because we have a young lady that joins our live streams frequently on Wednesday night and Sunday night who lives in Pakistan. She's from Pakistan. We don't know her. We know her through live stream. 
But the videos I've seen, it's not just a little flood. 30 million people are affected by the floods. Over 1,000 people have died already. And when you look at the videos, it's not like a little stream running by. It's like a roaring river running through the town. It's crazy what's happening. And on the other side of the coin is there's drought all over, the, the, all over Europe and America too. There's drought going on. And so I just, just say there are things going on. And Jesus is coming back. But when he comes back, will he find people, let's say it this way, will he find people doing what we did this morning, praying for somebody? As for me and my house and me and our church, we will endeavor to do that until Jesus comes back. Two things are really important, though, when we talk about this topic of prayer. The first thing that's really important is, is how much do you care about somebody? Isn't that the bottom line? How much do you love somebody? How much do you want to see someone get well or get right with God? How important is that to you? Is it important enough to pray about? Not just a week. Is it important enough to make time out of our busy, busy day to beseech the Lord? Is it, time, is it, is it, is it valuable enough to use our energy to seek God? Is it important enough to adjust our schedule that we could call upon the Lord every day for somebody. I, I would be willing to say, many of us that are here today are here because somebody had been praying for us. And it wasn't just a one-time prayer. The second thing that's important is, how much faith do you have to pray until? Until what? Well, until you, there's no re- reason to pray anymore. Our brother Adrian Velez recently went home to be with the Lord. Adrian was a strong warrior. He claimed his healing. He believed he was getting better. And we stood with him in prayer. And I said, Adrian, we're going to pray with you until there's no reason to pray anymore. Until either you're healed or you go home to be with Jesus. And now he's with Jesus. And now he's fully healed. But it's important to pray through Keep praying through. We prayed for Adrian for a couple of years over that situation. Let me give you two scriptures about this. If you've been following our live stream, I've been talking about 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. So the first part is, how, how, how deeply do you care about somebody? Do you care enough to pray for them? The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 1 that... With, with, with you've received comfort and mercy from God, you've received that so that you can now give that to somebody else. Do you know that? Christians are not designed to live a, a life in seclusion. Christians, by definition, are designed to use what God has done to give it to somebody else. And if you know the power of prayer in your life, guess what? It's time for you to start praying for somebody else. Because you know the mercy of God. I know the mercy of God. I know. I know what it means to be saved. I know it. And you do too. But if, if, if we receive the comfort and mercy of God, we're called now to give that away. Many times it'll come simply by praying with people and praying for people. The other part is how much faith do you have to believe this? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
It's like a never-ending cycle. We hear the word of God, our faith is built up, we reach out and we care about people, and then we hear the word of God again, and we get filled up, and we, we, get, we get established, go deeper with God, and we care about people, and we pray. It keeps going on and on and on until Jesus comes back. So anyway, let's look at verses 9 through 14 real quickly here. Well, I don't know how quickly, but we're going to look at them. And then I, I want to give you three reasons why Prayer matters. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But verse number 9, we're just going to go through this verse by verse. Verse number 9, we read, For this reason, I said it earlier, but because you have the hope of glory in you, because you're born again, because you're a believer, because you're my brother and sister in Christ, uh, we we don't stop praying for you. I like that. He said in another place, pray without ceasing. I want someone to pray for me without ceasing. Oh, he's doing all right. He doesn't need any more. You don't even know. Pray for new life. Pray for this church. Oh, we're doing okay. You don't even know. Pray without ceasing. And he says in verse number nine, pray, we're praying for you that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Note, he's not praying Lord, give them an easy life. Lord, give them wealth and prosperity. Lord, give them, not even, not even praying for their health, but not praying for prestige, but praying, Lord God, let them know your will for their lives. Let them know it with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Let them know the word of God. Let them understand what the prophets are talking about. Let them be able to discern the times. How I pray for that for this church if we could have the knowledge to discern the times we're in. Look, you check it out. Those floods in Pakistan are outrageous. And the droughts and the fire in Amer- fires in America are outrageous. It's got to be a sign. I keep saying this. If Jesus were to come back and everyone would say, Lord, why didn't you tell us? He would say, what were you looking at? I've been telling you for years. Open your eyes and see. But we need to pray that we would have the spiritual understanding of what's going on around us. Okay, verses 10, 11, and 12 are kind of like the, the, the result of verse number 9. So he's, he's praying, we're going to pray for you to have knowledge with wisdom and spiritual understanding. Right? So that, so that verse number 10, you, you may walk worthy of God. In other words, you may have a holy walk with God. You may uh, walk, your, your walk would please the Lord in all that you do and all that you say. And that your life will be fruitful. Can we talk about that for just a minute? Our lives are supposed to be fruitful. You know, in other words, the Christian attributes of Jesus are supposed to be ours. I heard a great teaching on this the other day, David Jeremiah. I just want to share what, what he mentioned. He talked about five different things. I'm going to do it quickly. Everyone knows Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. We need to have the fruit of the Spirit. Look it up. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. That's character. That's our Christian character. But also in Romans 6.22... Paul writes, you've been delivered, you've been set free, you're no longer who you were, you're you're a new creation, you're free, and now let let your fruit be to holiness. So it's what we do, or what we don't do, we live a holy life. 
fruit to holiness. Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 15 says, let the fruit of our lips be our sacrifice of praise. The fruit comes from our lips. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We honor you. That's fruit of our lips. So if you put it together, what Paul is saying, we're praying that you have knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding that what you say, what you do, your character is really important. Philippians 4, 16 and 17. I love this verse. He said, Paul said to the church there, I want the fruit that abounds. He said, I don't, I don't, I don't want the gift. He said, well, what are you saying? I'll take the gift. I'll take the offering. I need the offering. But I want the fruit that abounds out of your abundance. In other words, he wants the camaraderie and the fellowship and the love. He'll take what he needs, you know, tangibly, physically. But he wants what's above that. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing to bless somebody and give them something. But it's another thing to give them something with love and, and being genuine about it. That's what Paul's saying. I want, the, I want the fruit that abounds out of your life. I want the love that comes with the gift. And then uh, Proverbs eleven thirty, it says, uh, uh, "The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise." Romans one thirteen says, uh, "Paul says, I want to visit you so that I may I may find some fruit among you." In other words, these are talking about souls. The fruit in our lives is the people we affect with the gospel, and we lead them to Jesus. So when Paul says, we pray for, we're praying for fruitfulness in your life, man, there's so much involved in that one statement. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of our lips, the fruit that abounds, the fruit of the righteous, and the fruit you know, of, of people getting saved. I'm, we're praying, Paul, we're praying that you have knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding. That Verse 10, that you'll walk worthy of the Lord, that you'll please the Lord, that you'll be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse number 11, paraphrase, that you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll have the power from on high to be a witness. You'll be, you'll be ready for the battles. You'll be ready for the persecution. You'll be ready for the hardship. And on top of that, you'll have an underlying joy not ha-ha laughter, but a joy and a spiritual confidence that everything's going to be okay because I belong to God. And he's praying, Lord, fill them with power from on high. How many of you know we need the power of God? Come on. You go to work tomorrow, we need the power of God to go to work. You know, whatever we're doing in life, whatever, whatever we're dealing with, we need the anointing and power of God. So he says, uh, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. And in verse number 12, he's saying, I, I, we're praying as, as you have knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding that you would learn how to give thanks to the Father, that you would know the value of giving thanks, that you would develop a grateful heart before the Lord. You know, it takes a while sometimes to learn gratefulness because we take it for granted. But think about what Jesus did for you. We need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, as they say. And when we say, to, let's give thanks to the Lord, there's a roar from the congregation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because we know 
he has done something radical in our lives. But he does give a couple of reasons why in verse number 12. We give thanks to God the Father who has, quali- who has number one, who has qualified you. You ever feel unqualified for anything? I, I felt unqualified for a lot of things in my life. But I read in this scripture that uh, he has qualified us. Um, he has qualified us through the blood of Jesus. Our position, our position in life has changed. We are now, as it says in Ephesians 2, once we were dead, but now we're alive unto God. Now we've been raised up and we're sitting together in heavenly places with the Lord. Our position is no longer enemies of God. Our position is we're friends of God. We're qualified to be called friends of God. Why? Because we're so good? No. But the blood of Jesus covers us and accepts us. We're sons and daughters of God. We're victorious in Christ. We're more than conquerors. We're qualified to apply these promises to our lives. So we better learn to give thanks to God because he made us qualified. Second part is that he's made us partakers of the inheritance. We're partaking of something. Our faith is alive. It's, It's active. It's living it's not a passive position that we're in. Our faith is, uh, is doing something deep inside of us, and it will for all of eternity. But we're qualified because he's made us partakers of. Are you partaking of the things of God? The Lord says, take and eat. Take and eat. Take this cup. Drink from this cup. Receive from me. Are you receiving from the Lord? You're qualified to become partakers of the things of God. Sometimes we say, well, Lord, why does that person get everything going in their lives? What about me and my situation? I encourage you, run after God. Run after God. You're qualified to seek God. You're qualified to find God. You're qualified to be different than you are right now. If you're worried about it, There's more for you. You're qualified to be a partaker with the saints. Amen. And and be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. What's the inheritance of the saints? Man, I'm thinking thinking rapture. I'm thinking heaven. I'm thinking reigning with the Lord. I'm thinking new Jerusalem, new heaven, new earth. I'm thinking there's something glorious out there. But we, we, we are qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. So we're praying that you have the knowledge of his will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you will know these things in verses 10 and 11 and 12. And then there's verses 13 and 14. We said earlier, we've been delivered, we've been conveyed, we've been redeemed, and we've been forgiven. Thank you, Lord. We've been delivered from sin and hell and self and darkness, and we've been conveyed, catapulted, categorically propelled, moved, relocated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. I was excited about coming to church today because I I was thinking... I remember when Pamela and I first came to the Lord many years ago. And we'd go to church, this little tiny church in North Carolina. And we didn't know a whole lot about anything, but we knew, I knew when we got into the house of the Lord, it was a different feeling. 
It was something special about being with God's people. Singing the, and we always had a hymn book in those days. You know, anyone know, remember hymn books? Used to hit, sing those hymns and the piano, and sometimes a guitar, but mostly a piano and an organ. And people were just singing. And most people couldn't sing a lick, but they were singing. You know what I mean? But be, being in that house of God, we've been delivered. I remember thinking, Lord, just a short time ago, I didn't even know about all this. But we've been delivered. Hallelujah. We've been conveyed. We've been, we've been propelled into another lifestyle. Praise God. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. He paid the price. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a gentleman's agreement where I'm going to shake your hand. No, he died on a cross. And we've been forgiven. His blood forgives us. Praise God. I, I would say that, that because of verses 13 and 14, we better stay in prayer so we can appreciate all of that. Isn't that what's wrong with a lot of Christians today? We talk about these things that are humongous, delivered, conveyed, right? Redeemed, uh, forgiven. And it was like, oh, yeah, I, I got that. What do you mean? That's a humongous thing that happened to us. We better keep in prayer so that we would have the knowledge to know his will with wisdom and spiritual understanding. What does he want us to do now that we have that? I, I, I shared this. The first year of our salvation, I thought it was really all about me getting right and getting stable. I didn't realize there was a whole other avenue of this Christian, Christian walk. That God delivered me, saved me, filled me to do something for the kingdom of God. If you don't know, I'm telling you right now. It is about you getting saved, but it's about you getting saved for a reason. God has a purpose for you getting saved. He has a purpose for you getting saved. He has something for you to do that only you can do. Amen? All right, let me, let's go into this. Uh, I want to give you three reasons why prayer matters. There's probably many more, but the Lord put three on my, on my heart to share with you today. So you can write these down, and they're going to be on the screen. But the first reason, based on these scriptures, why does prayer matter? First of all, when we pray, it brings us closer to God. Forget about everybody else for a minute. You ever notice people that are close to God are people that spend time praying? Like, hello. <laughs> why are they so stable? Why, are they, why do they have it all together? They pray. They're probably praying for you. But anyway, when people pray, we get closer to God. You know, it's like all relationships. The spending time together is absolutely crucial. I love spending time with my dear, lovely wife. If we didn't, we'd have a problem. <laughs> but we like to talk together. We like to go for walks together. We like to spend time together. We like to listen to each other. We had a little conversation the other day. We like to listen to each other. Whenever there's a marriage in trouble, it's because those things aren't happening. Can I get an amen? But if you want something to work right, you better start communicating, brothers and sisters. Same thing with the Lord. How do, you, how do we expect to have a relationship with God if we don't spend time talking to him? And then, like I think Pastor Bill said it last week, sometimes we just sit in his presence we don't say a word. We just allow him to speak to our heart. So when we pray, among everything else, we get closer to God. 
If you have children, I, my, my kids are older, but when they were younger, got grandkids, spending time with kids is absolutely essential. You can't have a relationship with your kids unless you spend time with them and listen to them and speak into their lives. It's like a friend. You can't have a friendship if you never talk to anybody. You talk, you, you make time, you communicate. In the same way, when we speak to God, we have a relationship that deepens simply because we're making the effort to do it. And he waits to hear from us, by the way. Psalm 145, verse 18, it says this, The Lord is near to those who call upon him. Now, we've been doing this prayer thing every, every morning. Those of you that are joining me in prayer, not physically, but spiritually, every morning before the day begins. It's refreshing to know, as sometimes I'm like, okay, Lord, here, I'm going at it again, you know. But the Lord is near to those that call upon him. It's refreshing to know, if I could just get there, he's there, waiting for me. So I may be nice and comfy and cozy in bed, and that pillows and blankets feeling good on me, but if I, if I get out of the bed and make my way to my place of prayer, he's waiting for me to get there. And, and that's that one verse, he is near to those who call upon him. Lord God, I call upon you today. Psalm 34, 4, it says, I sought the Lord... And he heard me. It says, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard his voice. When we cry out, the Lord hears us. Paul said it too in Romans 7. The things he wants to do, he doesn't do. The things he doesn't want to do, he does, etc., etc. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, wretched man that I am. He calls out, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ my Lord. So whether we're, we're praying for ourselves or praying for our family, praying for church, praying for people, praying for situations, simply the act of sitting at his feet brings us closer to him. And that's a win-win situation. Didn't Jesus say when he was in the garden that night, couldn't you pray with me for one hour? You get the idea that Jesus just wanted company, someone to pray with him, to, to be with him during that time. And I believe Jesus is still waiting for people to pray with him and talk with him and to stand with him in various things that we deal with. So number one, prayer matters because it brings us closer to God. If you want to get closer to God, start praying. Just start praying. Now, you can pray a lot of different ways. You know, you could pray as you're driving the car. You could pray as you're taking a shower. You could pray kneeling down. Whatever. But you know what? Just start praying. I find, I mean, if my experience could speak to somebody, I've tried a lot of different ways to pray. The best way I know how, get alone somewhere, get your Bible or an app, and just get alone and, and start worshiping and reading Scripture and, and having a devotional and get a little piece of paper and start jotting things down. That works for me. If I could just get to that place, I am good. Sometimes getting to that place is hard, but I know when I get to that place, he's already there waiting for me. He hears me. He fellowships with me. And you know what? Praying alone, I don't even have to comb my hair or brush my teeth. I could just be there in his presence, and he's there waiting for me. Come on, it's a win-win situation. 
Here's number two, why prayer matters. Prayer matters because the lives of others depends upon our prayers. He says in Colossians 1.9, we're praying for you, Colossians, that you be filled with knowledge, with wisdom, and spiritual understanding so that you could walk worthy and be fully pleasing to the Lord and be fruitful and be strengthened by the Holy Spirit, that you would learn to give thanks to God and understand deliverance and, and being conveyed and being redeemed and being forgiven. To the Ephesians, he, he, he prayed that they'd have wisdom and revelation and strengthen the inner man and rooted and built up. To the Philippians, he's, he prayed that they, their love would abound still more and more. Let me put it this way. Prayer moves the hand of God and touches the heart of God. It affects how, what God does and it affects how God feels. It releases the power of God. Prayer changes lives. I literally know people, and you probably do too, that should be dead right now if it weren't for prayer. I know people that should be in jail right now were it not for prayer. I know families that should be divorced if it weren't for prayer. I know families that have been restored and renewed. I know, I know families that have fallen in love all over again. I know, I know people with broken hearts that were ready to give up everything, but they've been restored and renewed and refreshed because somebody was praying for them. I'm telling you, prayer changes the lives of people. And I, was, I said it before, I, I would bet somebody prayed for you and your salvation and is still praying for you. Let me give you a couple of examples here. In Acts chapter 12, we won't turn to it, but in Acts chapter 12, it's a familiar story, but, and you probably know it, but Peter was, was thrown in jail. He was severely thrown in jail with uh, four squadrons of soldiers. He was bound up. He was uh, chained and, and thrown into the inner chamber. His, one of his good friends, James, the brother of John, was just m- brutally murdered. Peter was thrown in jail, and he was next on the list. But it says in Acts 12, 5, it says that constant prayer was being offered by the church for Peter. And, and, and he, we have to get this. Peter, is, think about it. If your best friend was just brutally killed and you're in jail with chains all over you, you got guards on your left and your right, and there's people all around you keeping you secluded, you're a little bit worried, like, what's going to happen to me? But here he is alone, scared. He lost his friend, and he's still going to be next. He's heavily locked down. He's in a dismal situation. But prayer was being offered. And this is what we usually think about when we think about this story. We think about how the angel came, and the chains fell off, and and Peter was led out of the prison, and no one saw him go. It was like a, a supernatural thing. He got out, and he knocked on the door of the prayer meeting, and they were surprised he was there, even though they were praying for them. He went to the house of Mary. But, but can you also see that because they were praying for him, that his faith was strong? His, his testimony was genuine and real. His courage was intact. He was confident. Now, all those other things are peripheral, if you ask me. The real thing, the real miracle is that he was still standing before God, serving God. Why? Because people were praying for him. Oh, we thank the Lord for the physical manifestations and his freedom. Yes, that's great. But beyond that, his own character was intact. His faith got deeper. Why? Because people were praying for him. In Acts chapter 8, another example, most of us know the revival in Samaria. Philip was there preaching, 
preaching Christ to them. There's miracles and deliverance and demon-possessed people are set free. Paralyzed people are healed. Salvations. There's great joy in that city. And there's praise and there's worship and there's hallelujah. Good things. Revival happening. Then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And in that atmosphere of all that going on, prayer going on, think about it. They're praying for Samaria. They're seeking God. And, 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 and verse 26, 826, the Lord speaks to Philip and says, Philip, leave this place. Go down to Gaza Road, minister to the one guy. What I'm saying is that one guy was important. And because they were in an attitude of prayer and worshiping God and calling upon the Lord, the Lord laid on his heart, forget about that. Go to that one guy over there. Can I tell you, there's one guy over there that needs Jesus. And as we are a praying people, he will send some of you or me or somebody to minister to that one person that needs to know the Lord. People's lives depend on our prayers. Hallelujah. You may have some loved ones. You may have given up on some people in your life, in your family. Oh, they're never going to get saved. Can I tell you something? Don't say that. Don't say that. I, I always think I got saved. You know, I know a lot of people that got saved that I didn't think they were going to get saved, but they did. But we can't say that so-and-so will never get saved. That would be hindering the Holy Spirit. That would be grieving the Holy Spirit. But do you care enough to pray for them? Is your faith strong enough to believe that one day, maybe today, they will surrender to the Lord? Here's the last thing I want to share, and I, was, I just want to quote scripture on this one. But the last thing is that why prayer matters is because prayer works. Let me, let me tell you what Jesus said, okay? After the parable of the persistent friend that we talked about, Luke 11, verse 9, he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. On the opposite, if you don't ask, it won't be given. Seek, and you'll find. If you don't seek, forget about it. Knock, and the door will be open. If you don't knock, it's not going to be open. But, but if, you, if you ask, if you seek, if you knock, things will open for you. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Then Jesus says this, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I've been praying lately, Lord God, touch that one with the Holy Spirit. My words, are, my words are falling flat, but Lord, you touch them. You do it, Lord. Prayer works. Jesus said in John 15, verses 7 and 8, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, uh, you'll ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear good fruits, and so you will be my disciples. It's like he's saying, my disciples bear good fruit. They ask and they beseech me, and I bless them with their prayer requests. Jesus' good friend, John, the one whom Jesus loved, said this in 1 John 5, 15. He said, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us 
If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We pray, he hears, and he he responds. His answers are usually like this. Yes, no, or not yet. But we keep praying. We pray until. Luke 18, the woman with the unjust judge. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find people praying? Will he find people believing? Will he find people trusting, standing on the promises of God? That if we pray, he hears us. And if he hears us, he'll do something. Had a great little devotional this morning from Romans 8, 28, that all things work for the good, for those who love God, according to his purpose. And the devotional was, you know, someone's sick. A lot of things aren't good. And he's not saying all things are good. But he's saying all things work together for good. If we believe that, you know, our faith is elevated and we're trusting God with everything. I, I, Pam and I had a conversation yesterday. I said, you know, we had a busy day yesterday. I said, look, we all, we prayed about it. We we're just going to give it to God and trust God for a good day. And you know what? We had a great day yesterday. Just give it to God. I, like, like this morning, just so you know a little bit of my, where I'm at, I prayed this morning for this service. Whatever happens during this service, I don't know. I prayed about it already. If I didn't pray about it, I would have said, Lord, I don't know. But I prayed, I gave it to God. Whatever happens is God. Whatever happened during worship, that was God. I'm just saying, pray. Prayer works. It may not be exactly what you want, but God responds to the prayers of his people. He does. So let me, let me wrap this up here. I want to invite you to, to at least know about and maybe participate in the opportunities that we have to pray at the church. The first one is this. Every day we're praying early in the morning. No, we're not doing it physically together. Somebody said hallelujah for that. But we're praying. There's 38 people on on the list. There's probably more that are praying. Every morning, people are praying. Sometimes I get a text during that time. (laughs) How you doing? I'm praying. (laughs) It's all right. But, you know, you you can pray if you want to pray with us. Join us spiritually every morning. Get up early. Spend whatever time you can. Just pray with us. David said, early will I seek you, O God. Sunday night live stream, 6 to 7. Every Sunday night we're praying on the live stream from 6 to 7. Last week we had 35 people at one time praying together. Come on. That's got to be pleasing to God. Monday night, in-house prayer from 6.30 to 7.30. Come into the house of the Lord and pray with other believers. How many of you are getting our, our emails, our prayer emails? Send out a lot of those emails. I hope you save them. I'm trusting that you're praying for those needs, but you can pray if you wonder, what can I pray for? Pray for those things. And of course, every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we have church. And church is a great time to come and pray together. Amen? So I invite you to be a part of the prayer emphasis of our church because prayer really does matter. I I think that we made it through COVID because people were praying during that time. Do you remember two years ago the church was shut down? All the churches were shut down. But you you can't shut the church down because the church is spirit, right? It's a spiritual thing. Okay, why don't we stand together? We're, we're, We're pressing forward.
And we must be people of prayer. Prayer matters. Prayer matters because it brings us closer to God. The lives of others depends on our prayers. And prayer works. I want to close out by reading verse number 9. Uh, let's see. Colossians 1.9. Say it with me if you can. For this reason, we also... <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Okay. Here we go. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Isn't that a, a great thing? I mean, you know, you could pray that you don't get a speeding ticket and all that stuff, but I want someone to pray that for me, that I'll know his will. And I'll pray that for you, that you'll know God's will. Because on another level, we have a purpose here. The church has a purpose. We need to know the will of God for our fellowship at this time. Let's say it one more time. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Okay. Every head bowed for just a moment. Let's, let's close out here. I wonder if, if somebody's here today and maybe you don't know it, but maybe when I say this, you realize that this is you. You're here today because someone's been praying for you. And you, you can truly be the answer to someone's prayer by receiving Christ today or renewing your walk with the Lord. Is there anyone here that's, uh, that's, is the answer to somebody's prayer that you know about? Raise your hand. Yes. All right. Thank the Lord for those praying grandmas, right? And praying grandpas and mommies and daddies that pray all the time. Are there some people here this morning that your, your response to this is that you will begin to pray more earnestly? Anyone like that? That's the point. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to motivate you to pray more earnestly. I wonder if there's some people here that are praying for a certain person. Anyone praying for one person in particular? I am. Man, I got that person circled. I'm zeroed in. And what about a situation? Situations, you know, that's important. So I'm going to close out in prayer. I'm going to use this Colossians chapter 1 as, as our format as we, as we close in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today. I want to thank you, Lord, for those that are here, for those that are on live stream. But Lord, like the way Paul prayed for the Colossians, I want to pray for this congregation, Lord, that we would be filled with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Lord, help us to discern the times in which we live. Lord, next Sunday, Brother Siriano is coming to speak on the end times. I, there's got to be people that we know that need to know what he's got to say. Lord, let us, let us have knowledge. What, is your, what do you want us to do with that? Can we invite somebody? Can we bring somebody with us that needs to know? 
Lord, give us the knowledge of your will with wisdom and spiritual understanding that we, we may walk worthy, that we may be fully pleasing to you, Lord, that we may be fruitful in every way, every good work. And Lord God, help us to be strengthened with might according to your glorious power, the Holy Spirit. Let us learn patience and long sufferings, and let us, let us live our lives with an undercurrent of joy and belief and faith that it's going to be okay because we're okay with you. Father, I pray that this congregation would learn to always give thanks to you, Father, because you have qualified us. Lord, we're not like the world. We're out of the world now. We're qualified, not by our good works, but by what you've done for us. Lord, help us to realize we're qualified for some great things. We're qualified to be partakers. We don't have to sit on the sidelines and watch the Christian parade go by. We could be in the parade leading the way. And Lord, help us to understand the inheritance of the saints in the light. We have a tremendous future in store for us. Help us, Lord, to grasp that. And Lord, help us to to ponder this, that we have been delivered from the power of darkness. Lord God, forgive us and help us when we see darkness somewhere on TV or a movie. Sometimes it's entertainment. Let us be, rep- uh, let us be appalled and repelled at the darkness that we were called out of. Let, let the darkness not be entertainment for us. Let us be delivered from the power of darkness. Let us, let us appreciate being conveyed, propelled, taken into a new realm of existence. We belong to a, a, a righteous father. Our father is not the father of lies. Our father is the father of truth. Help us to understand that, Lord. Help us to understand that we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we celebrate communion every, every first Sunday. Let us just remember, not only that, but let us remember the price that was paid that we would be redeemed, bought back, settled. The price has been paid for. It's been, it's been done through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, let us appreciate the forgiveness that you have for us. Lord, I pray for any one of us here whether it's David Brissett or anybody else that's thinking how bad we've been, the bad things that we've done, how we've blown it. Lord, if we've been forgiven, let us help us to forgive ourselves now and to let that not be a ball and chain around our ankle that will prevent us from moving forward. And Lord, if there's somebody that we need to forgive, let us step out in faith and forgive them. Help us, Lord. So, Father, thank you for this time in your word today. I pray blessings over the congregation. Let us leave here encouraged. And may your blessing be upon our evening prayer tonight at 6. And uh, let us gather again to beseech you. So may your blessing be upon each, each person, each family, each child downstairs. We give you all thanks and all praise. And, Lord, we really do look forward to what you're going to do Now that June, July, and August are over, September's happening, getting back into routine, school's going on, bless the kids as they go back to school, but let us get back into a routine of being in the house of God and seeing what you're going to do this fall. We pray for that. 
We pray that you would move. We pray that you would fill up this place with hungry hearts that need salvation. We pray that you would move in our community, oh God. Hallelujah. We pray, Lord, that the lost would come in, that your Holy Spirit would bring people in, the good, the bad, the healthy, the sick, the young and old, everybody. Lord, everyone needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, keep us safe, keep us burning, keep the light burning in our heart until the day that you return. We thank you for this. In the glorious, precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I don't know. I feel like we should do something right now. <laughs> where's, where's our brother Doug? He's still downstairs. Well, we're just going to let it go with that. If you need prayer, the altars are open. But have a great day. We'll see you tonight on the live stream. Praise God.